Charles Knight swayed on the bow of his 54-foot sloop to the syncopated rhythms of metal drums playing through the sound system at top volume. Jimmy Buffett shared his love of island culture. The sloop ran large through Atlantic swells propelled by an 18-knot early autumn easterly breeze. He grinned as the wind tossed a sheet of salt spray through his long hair. Six miles up ahead lay Charleston, where he would enter the United States for the first time in seven years. How would he feel when he arrived? Would it feel like home? He wiped salt crust out of his eyes and squinted into the late afternoon sun as it reflected off the ocean. In the distance, a powerboat crashed through waves, sending spray to either side. It was coming his way. Charles moved aft to the cockpit, deactivated the autopilot, lowered the music volume, and turned his boat closer into the wind, away from the distant vessel. He tightened up the main sheet and the Genoa. His straight left knee and bent right knee together braced him upright while his boat heeled hard over. He felt the rush as water lashed over the gunwale. It never failed to elevate his energy. He couldn't help but grin. He and his boat headed back out to sea, cutting through the water at 8.5 knots. Unfortunately, the powerboat turned to intercept him, traveling at more than 20 knots. The reality of impending trouble diminished his enjoyment of the moment. A few minutes later, the 26-foot-long Defender-class response boat with obscenely oversized twin outboards approached his yacht. A machine gun mounted toward its bow suggested this was no friendly vessel welcoming him home to his native shores after so many years abroad. A life-jacketed man on the bow aimed his weapon directly toward him. It was an aggressive display of power, all the rage in Washington, embraced by predisposed government employees at all levels. The Coast Guard had hailed him on the radio three times as they approached. Of course, he had ignored them, impatient buggers, but it wasn't as if his sailboat could outrun them. The boat came up close and the officer in charge hollered through his loudspeaker. This is the United States Coast Guard. Head into the wind and prepare to be boarded. Damn, Charles had hoped to avoid this. His concern arose from a small issue of having a hundred thousand doses of illicit drugs stashed on board his boat. He waved to the Coast Guard as if seeing the boat for the first time and fired up the 125-horsepower Yanmar diesel that would keep him heading straight into the wind. He rounded up. His mainsail luffed while he furled the Genoa, which he accomplished simply by freeing a sheet and pressing a button. Modern technology allowed him to sail the ocean alone in his boat, which he had christened Caroline. Her mainsail made a horrendous racket, and the boom struck about, angry at having to face the wind head-on. He glanced at the armed vessel as it came nearer. The testosterone-fueled man who stood at the M240 machine gun had his finger on the trigger. The wrong wave might lift the Coast Guard boat's bow and, combined with that misplaced finger, lead to a barrage of 7.62-millimeter rounds shooting through his hull. Or through him. Was the threat of a sailboat approaching the U.S. shore now sufficient to induce the Coast Guard to keep its guns locked and loaded and aimed at him? The defender came alongside. The sailor manning the machine gun sported expensive sunglasses under the brim of his Coast Guard hat. The buoyancy of the sailor's orange PFD would partially counteract the density of the bullet-retarding vest that lay underneath.
and just might keep him afloat if he were to find himself in the water. The man still aimed his gun directly at Charles, who stood in the cockpit of his sailboat, unthreatening and with a bright and welcoming smile. Sir, a voice said through a loudspeaker from inside the partially enclosed defender. Through the glare on the glass, Charles could see the man holding the microphone. Sir, you are in United States waters. We are boarding your vessel.